What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate. Now, look, every now and then we try to mix it up for y'all. So, look, dependency and consistency is really important. But even within those lanes of consistency, you got to have a little bit of variety. You know what I mean? You don't come home and just eat the same thing every day. Or even if you do, you know, you got a meal prep thing. Maybe sometimes you put a little red sauce. Maybe sometimes you put a little green sauce. You know, you got to just, you know, mix it up from time to time. Maybe sometimes you grill it. Maybe sometimes you saute. Maybe sometimes you rotisserie. You got to just... Am I hungry? Yes, I'm hungry. Y'all, my bad. Listen, check it out. We have another entry <laughs> for y'all from our See It to Be It series. Amy C. Weininger, CEO of Lead at Any Level, as well as the author of Network Beyond Bias. She's actually been a member of the team for so while for a while now. So shout out to you, Amy. Yes, thank you very much for all of your work here. Um, and part of her work has been in driving the series called See It to Be It. And the purpose of the series is to actually highlight black and brown professionals in these very prestigious roles, like within uh, industries that maybe we, and when I say we, I mean black and brown folks, I see y'all, that we may not always even know exist or envision ourselves in, hence the name of the series, right? So check this out. We're going to go ahead and transition from here. The next thing you're going to hear is an interview with Amy C. Weininger and a super dope professional. I know y'all going to love it. Catch y'all next time. Peace. Hi, OJ. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Oh, it's great talking to you again. So you're one of my network beyond bias success stories because you and I met at my very first ever industry conference when we were both in Hawaii for the CPCU conference. That's right. And you were part of my, I'm going to talk to three people today if it kills me program. <laughs> and we were both sitting front and center at a big session. And I think I turned to you and said, hi, you're sitting front and center too. We should probably talk <laughs> or something really <laughs> dorky like that. And then we became friends from that. So you were one of the people that I kind of collected at that conference just because I forced myself to talk. And I'm so glad I did. And, and I'm glad you did as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you. So we're going to talk today about your entering the real estate industry and the role that you're taking on is a little unique um, from what most people think of in terms of real estate. So can you tell me first what it is that you do, who you help and how you help them? Sure, absolutely. So uh, my primary focus is helping people who have real estate problems. So folks who uh, have repairs that they can't make at their home. They have code liens, uh, tax liens, uh, debt that they can't pay off, or for whatever reason they need to get out of the home that they're in and they don't have a solution that traditional real estate can help them. So for whatever reason, they can't put this house up on the market, they can't make a profit selling that house on the market, and uh, finding unique solutions to help them get to where they want to be. And so this is, like I said, it's, it's kind of a special situation that you're creating, a special opportunity that you're creating for yourself. Can you tell me how you got involved in this and sort of what about it appealed to you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as you know, I, I, I work in insurance and there are many times where you run into a situation where there's something not covered by the policy. Um, and that could be a $10,000, $15,000, $100,000 problem. And when someone has an issue like that and they're not able to get financing or fix the problem, 
you know, it becomes an, a safety issue where they're they're living in a home that's potentially unsafe. Uh, they're living in a situation where, you know, no one should be living. And I got into insurance because I wanted to help people. And for the most part, we can. There are tons of things that are covered. Um, but in those situations where something isn't covered, and you know there are people who feel helpless they they don't know what to do and i didn't know what to do i didn't know how to advise them so i started looking into different solutions uh and i actually met a couple of real estate investors who were like what that's exactly what we're looking for and i'm like why why would you want this house that has you know thirty thousand dollars worth of damage it's 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 there's a mortgage on it there's you know all these issues and they're like, this is exactly the situation that we're looking for. We want to help people who are in these situations because we want to get them living somewhere safe. And we want to take that home and put it in a position where someone can live in it again. And so it just really appealed to me. You get the opportunity to help people. You kind of get to be thrifty and take something that was broken and fix it. Um, and, and just for those reasons, this, this industry really appeals to me. That's fantastic. So I have, I recently moved into a, a new home about three years ago and it had a lot of problems that we weren't anticipating. You know, we knew it would need a new roof, for example. We didn't know that within the first year of ownership, we were going to lose our water heater, our HVAC system, our <laughs> um, sump pump, you know, and have problems with some other things. And so I can see how very easily, even without like a traditional insurable loss like you know it, there was no fire there was no flood right it was just wear and tear on a house yeah. that had not been maintained for 20 years um and you know it was expensive and we were already sort of maxed out on the mortgage and and so you know we had to kind of take out a second mortgage it's really embarrassing to say but we had to take out a second mortgage to pay for you know several thousands of dollars worth of repairs to a house so we could live in it because you can't live in a house in indiana without heat Right. You can't live in a house in Indiana with a, you know, that's leaking uh, carbon dioxide into your house. So like, we had real problems and people don't have a lot of reserves. A lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck. I know that's been my, my situation for most of my life. Um, you know, it's really easy to get upside down really fast, not just in your mortgage, but in your monthly expenses. And then to have somebody who can come in and say, Hey, I can help with this. You know, you're not going to be homeless. You're not going to lose money on your house. <laughs> I can see where that would be a really welcome message for folks who are struggling or who are um, who are concerned about those things. Because I can see how, you know, just a lot of people are just a few thousand dollars from disaster. I know I've been there many times in my life. So Absolutely. it's wonderful what you're doing. So what's something I know you have... Um, You've already alluded to this a little bit, but what's been the biggest surprise to you about about this industry? Something that you weren't expecting um, when you first got into it. So actually, uh, the thing that surprised me most was, you know, you hear about real estate investors and you're like, oh, they're these slimy people and, you know, they're just trying to make a quick buck and, you know, they're going to offer you way less than what your house is worth. And, and you know, that's kind of the stigma. And there are a few bad people who, who do those kinds of things. But for the most part, everyone I've come across has really just wanted to help people. Um, you know, whether it was me first 
getting into the industry and wanting to learn. People were willing to take the time out of their day to explain things to me, to walk me through processes. Their, their main focus is not how much money I've made, it's how many people did I help. And I think when you can go to bed at night knowing that your, your main focus is how many people you can help, you can, you can sleep well. And um, it, it really kind of changed the, the stigma in my mind. I was thinking, oh man, you know, I'm going to be one of these, you know, slimy real estate investors. And, and really it's, it's not that, you know, there are many times where, you know, a person doesn't need a real estate investor. They just need a real estate agent um, or, you know, they don't need either one of those things. They need help managing their cash flows, right? They're, they're, they're just spending too much on their discretionary spending and that's taking away from their needs and just being able to have those conversations. Like I went and got my real estate license also so that I could help those folks who need, you know, a traditional solution. And, you know, I've partnered with some credit repair and, and some budgeting specialists who can talk to people about money management and, and focusing on taking care of their needs before going out and, you know, spending on things that they want. And that's really been able to help people. And, and it's, it's just an amazing feeling knowing, hey, you know, I might not have made any money today doing this real estate investing, but I've helped someone. And this thing that I've done is going to benefit them and it's going to benefit their kids for years to come. That is wonderful. And it's always a shame to me when somebody says, I was surprised by how people, how nice people are or how much people want to help because we, I think so many industries have a bad reputation, right? That people are only out for themselves. You know, there's like, you know, there's snakes in the grass and they're just waiting to, to attack. And, you know, and I have found too, as I've shifted my career um, a few times now, that there are always people willing to help if, if your heart's in the right place and you know, you do have to be careful about it, right? Because there are some people who are, who are out there looking to take advantage, but I would say probably 99% of the people that I've met um, at different stages of my career, when I'm ready to take on something new or make a jump or learn about something new, 99% of the people I meet are genuinely helpful, genuinely want to, you know, have a positive impact and, um, you know, show me something that will help me move forward. Right. And, and I've been fortunate to, to come across those people and, and really uh, in the real estate industry, you come here, you know, it's cutthroat and I have not encountered that. I've really, maybe I'm, I've been lucky. Maybe this is just the norm, mm -hmm. uh, but I've been fortunate to, to meet people who are genuinely interested in helping me to develop, helping me to learn what I needed to know so that I could help more people. That's fantastic. So if somebody's not in real estate today and they're interested in getting started or learning more, what resources are available to them or where would you suggest that they start? Sure. I, I would suggest uh, find uh, the local chapter of the National RIA. Uh, here in Orlando, there's uh, CFRI, Central Florida Real Estate Investors. Uh, it's a nonprofit group that focuses on real estate investment education. Um, you know, there, there's an ethics course that you have to go through, and it's 
really designed to help real estate investors who are starting off in the business start making the right decisions for the right reasons and to be well informed and it's a great way to just network and meet with people who've been in the industry for a very long time meet people who have just started um, and kind of be able to pick their brains and partner with them and, and figure out how you can come together to find solutions for folks so definitely uh get involved with with the local chapter of your national RIA. and RIA is real estate investors association r-e-i-a well, correct yes Excellent. And so just to be clear about this, you didn't take a, I'm going to pick on Trump University. You didn't take a Trump University $30,000 real estate course <laughs> to figure out how to do this, right? You went no, and talked no. to people who are really doing this every day, who are in it for the right reasons, who are highly ethical and willing to help you without thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in investment. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely correct. And don't think that you have nothing to offer, right? So my my background is in insurance, right? Well, if you're buying homes, you need insurance. So knowing about the insurance industry, and you know, I've, I've been an adjuster and I've been writing estimates, so I, I have you know building trades knowledge, and you know, bringing whatever you have from whatever it is that you do can benefit you, right? Like if if you're an accountant, well you're going to need to be able to keep track of a lot of moving parts and a lot of numbers. So that's a skill that's needed. Uh, you know, if, if you work with your hands, if you're an electrician or a plumber or uh, a carpenter, these are skills that are needed to get these homes up to code and make them safe for people. So, you know, those are having that trade knowledge is something that's tremendously beneficial. So this isn't limited to, you know, white collar jobs, blue collar jobs. Anyone can do this. That's excellent. And I love that message that you, you bring what you have and you find a way to contribute and people are there to help you and guide you and partner with you along the way. Absolutely. And you know, that builds such a sense of community in an industry when you know that you can't know everything, right? The accountant is probably not going to be the plumbing guy also, or, uh, you know, vice versa. So I think that's a wonderful message. And I think it's important for people to realize that so many skills are transferable from one industry to another. And it sounds like this is an industry where maybe more than usual skills are transferable in. Absolutely. That's wonderful. So what are your thoughts on where this is headed in the future? Are, is this industry going to need more people? Or do you see this as a short-term set of problems that maybe in five to 10 years will sort of take care of itself? Like, what do you see as the talent needs going forward? So just like the market is cyclical, the real estate investing needs are cyclical. And so this isn't something that's going away. People need to live somewhere anyone can come across a real estate problem like you were talking about the thousands of dollars that you had to spend you know moving into your home when i first uh when i bought this house uh matthew hit in florida mm. and destroyed uh you know pretty much everything in my backyard oh. and i did not realize how expensive fencing can be and, and you're uh, an insurance guy you should right. know how expensive <laughs> fencing can be oj come on and, and so I had a huge lot, right? I, that, the house is on a third of an acre and most of it is the backyard. So oh. I was actually deployed uh, helping folks who had damages at their home. And you know, I find out, hey, you know, 
your, your fence is down and I have a pool, so I can't leave holes in the fence because that it's a huge liability issue. So I called around to get some folks to kind of get me an estimate. And the first guy called back and said, you have 321 linear feet of fence and two gates. And I just knew, I was like, oh man, this is terrible. And, uh, you know, he, he quoted me a price and, you know, if I hadn't been on catastrophe, that was not something that I would have been able to do. Um, and so, you know, I, I know how real uh, these problems are, these things that come up are. And uh, the policy I had didn't have uh, a ton of adjacent structures coverage. And so, you know, the policy was only going to cover a small portion of it anyway. So I, I had to pay for that fence out of pocket. And if I had to charge that to a credit card and, and make those payments, that, that would have been tough for me. And so um, I realized, you know, just, just how tough it is when those unexpected events happen and, and sometimes your insurance can't help you or, you know, the, the things that you were counting on just don't work out for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's, again, just something that isn't going away. This is, this is an industry that will be here um, as the market changes, the needs change. And, and so uh, we'll be here finding solutions for folks. So I want to take a step back for a minute because, you know, insurance and I've, I've worked in insurance for 10, 12 years now, right? Um, insurance is one of those things that people hate paying for <laughs> and they hate using it, right? Because if you're using your insurance, it means something horrible's happened. Right. Um, and it's, it's something that we think, okay, I want my premium as low as possible because the threat of the threat of having a claim is a remote possibility that we don't really know how to calculate, right? We don't know how to calculate that risk. What are the odds I'm going to use this? We're afraid to use it sometimes if it's, you know, a minor thing. Who can people, let's, let's talk about prevention for just a second. Who's the sure. best person for someone to talk to when they purchase a house or even if they're renting um, about what kind of coverage they need and what they should be paying for coverage? Because that sounds like a like a first step to preventing getting yourself into this sort of a, a financial um, crisis to begin with, right? Right. And so, uh, if you have a financial planner, that's someone that you you should talk to. Uh, there are agents everywhere. Go talk to an agent. Um, you know, I sold insurance when I first got into insurance, and the way I look at insurance is. You pay me your premium and I give you peace of mind, right? So I need to make sure that this policy you're purchasing is going to give you that peace of mind. And so when you're pur purchasing insurance, you shouldn't start off with how much premium you want to pay. You should start off with how much coverage do I need to have peace of mind? Right. So if you have a home that would cost $300,000 to rebuild, if there was a total loss, total fire, and you only have $50,000 of insurance, you do not have peace of mind. You are not going to be able to rebuild that home. Right. And so you just want to talk to your agent, talk to your financial planner, understand the costs. You know, you, you don't have to become a builder. Right. But understand the costs associated with what rebuilding a home or, you know, if you're getting an auto policy, right? If you cause an accident, right? There are financial implications, 
you could end up liable for thousands and thousands of dollars of someone's medical bills, lost wages. Uh, you could be hurt and not be able to work, right? And so these are situations that your agents and your claims professionals come across every day. And, you know, I've, I've been on the liability side and I've seen where someone, you know, got hit by an uninsured driver and had $10,000 of uninsured motorist coverage, but $50,000 worth of medical bills. And, you know, they were trying to keep their premium low. And you're not doing yourself a justice by saving 20 bucks in premium when that 20 bucks in premium is tens of thousands of dollars of additional coverage and you don't know when you're going to have an accident that's why people call them accidents you don't know when you're going to have a fire you don't know when these unexpected events are going to come and if you if you're purchasing a policy don't do it because the state says you have to do it don't do it because you know your mortgage company is saying you have to do it do it because you understand that this policy is going to provide peace of mind in a time where you need peace of mind. The stress of going through these things, right, is is overwhelming sometimes, right? And just having, you know, a professional on the other end who can say, hey, you know, I know what you're going through. You know, these are the things that are going to happen. And, you know, here's how we can help is tremendously beneficial. Absolutely. And, you know, higher premiums don't mean better coverage. Right. Read um, your policy. <laughs> read your policy, but not just that. Shop it around, right? Because yeah. I had, so when we moved into our house, I, I went with the insurer that I had before in my old house. Right. And I won't name names, but we'll call them Company A. And okay. Company A, my premiums on my new house were about four uh, about $4,000 a year. And my coverage was... Um, I want to say about four, it was about $500,000 worth of coverage on just the house. Right. And about a year later, I decided I was going to shop it just to see because it was coming up for renewal. And I got coverage through company B and company B was $1,300 a year. And they <laughs> estimated the rebuild cost of my house at over $700,000. And that's what they insured me at. So I was paying a lot more. I was paying three times the amount that I could have been for about half of the coverage with the first right. company versus the second. And it's all about how much do they know about your area? How much do they know about the kind of house that they're insuring? How much do they know about the risks and the likelihood of risk where you live and right. how good is their math, right? When they're, right. when they're running those numbers. And so I think it really pays for people to talk to different companies and find out because if I thought when I bought my house, I didn't pay $700,000 for my house. But when I thought, when I, if I had thought when I bought my house, I needed $700,000 worth of replacement cost coverage for my house, I would not have insured it for four hundred fifty dollars or 500000 right? Absolutely. Because the other thing that happens that people don't know, and I don't want to go off on a big insurance thing, but the <laughs> other thing that happens that people don't know is if you do have a total loss and you're underinsured, you don't get all the money your insurance company promised you. Right. At the so beginning. So there's that 80% coinsurance. Right. So if you, have, right, if you have a $200,000 house, let's say, and you have $100,000 worth of coverage on it, and you have a total loss, your insurance company will say, well, you know what, 
it's a lot more common to have a hundred thousand dollar loss on a two hundred thousand dollar house than it is to have a hundred thousand dollar loss on a hundred thousand dollar house right so yeah. we're only gonna pay fifty percent of your policy payout or eighty percent of your policy payout because you weren't insured to the full amount of your home right and so not only are you not getting the full value of your home you're not even getting the full value of your policy at that point right and so, so you really want to make sure you've got full replacement costs on your home right so again you know start with the amount of coverage that you need and then shop based on the coverage that you need so compare apples to apples right because one company like you said could offer you like your let's say company a offered you four hundred thousand dollars worth of coverage for the same seven hundred thousand right mm -hmm. and then company b said hey we'll offer you you know seven hundred thousand dollars worth of coverage for a thousand dollars right mm -hmm. you're getting the same coverage right but if company a was saying hey thirteen hundred thirteen hundred dollars a year for seven hundred thousand dollars worth of coverage and company b said a thousand dollars for four hundred thousand dollars worth of coverage you're paying a lower premium but you're also getting less out of the transaction right? absolutely definitely your starting point should be how much coverage do I need and then shop around and always say hey these are the limits that I want this is the coverage that I need how much are you charging for that amount of coverage yep absolutely thank you OJ so much that is so helpful and I see I see several uh, <laughs> several spinoff uh, topics on this on this conversation <laughs> because I think I think it is important and I think people you know people really don't understand this insurance is kind of a black box right I pay a premium and then I pray I never use it and and we need to be more educated consumers about that definitely Absolutely. Um, so I wanted to ask you any other recommendations for our listeners about what they might want to learn about this industry or where they might go you know articles or places that they might just show up and read or listen to learn more sure uh so there are tons of podcasts out there about real estate investing there are uh seminars that happen throughout the year um but some of those seminars are thousands and thousands of dollars i wouldn't recommend that you pay thousands and thousands of dollars starting off um especially not knowing if you're gonna dive in full-time right you, you don't want to spend thirty thousand dollars on something that might be a hobby right um but uh just definitely reach out to folks so if if you get involved in your national area there are facebook groups um and just reach out to folks who are in the industry and talk to them i mean the the, the best value that i've gotten is just conversations with folks and, and learning things that i never would have thought about right um i remember one conversation i was having with uh with a guy named bill cook uh who's really successful real estate investor and we were talking about mobile homes and it was like well why would anyone want to buy a mobile home right and uh he, he shared with me that during the recession, that was the best investment that he could make because people were calling him and saying, hey, I need somewhere to rent. 
and I can't spend 700 or 800 bucks a month. Do you have anything for 450? And his phone's just ringing and ringing and ringing. And he had nothing in his, his inventory that he could rent for 700 or 850 a month. And then he got into investing in mobile homes and he was able to now provide clean, safe housing for folks who couldn't afford seven or 800 bucks a month, but they could afford 450. And it was a smaller investment for him, right? Instead of buying a stick built home, you buy a mobile home, right? It, the costs are way different. And so he could make that work in his business model and help folks out who needed somewhere to live. And yeah, that's you know, terrific. Right. And so like just having those conversations and, and understanding that, you know, you might have a preconception or you might be thinking of something in a way that is going to prevent you from helping people. Mm. And um, just just really having those conversations and being open minded. It's fantastic. I would like to ask you to finish this sentence. I feel included when. The people around me are laughing. Well, OJ, I can tell you that I am so happy to have you in my network and count you among my friends. I have so much fun talking to you. And I just, I think the world of you, I think that you are on just this meteoric rise and I expect great things from you. I, you're somebody that I want to, that I, from the moment I met you, I wanted to invest in you personally, just because I wanted to see what, what you would become and what you would do in the world. And so I just, I want to thank you for letting me be part of your journey and thank you for joining me today. And I, I want to thank you for having me. It has been truly amazing getting to know you and, and, uh, seeing all the wonderful things that you're doing and, and uh, all the value that you're bringing and all the awareness that you're bringing. Um, just on the side, uh, we had a conversation uh, about intersectionality and there was a talk on intersectionality here in Orlando and I went and, you know, I, I figured I'm a person of color, kind of, you know, understand other folks and, it was astounding how much I didn't know, right? And so just, uh, you know, kind of that, that conversation with you kind of inspired me to kind of go and learn about different groups. And, um, you know, I actually had a mentor who uh, identifies as, as a gay man, and I had no idea. And we were having a conversation, um, you know, surrounding intersectionality and he confided in me, hey, you know, I've been a gay man for, you know, my whole life. And I don't share that with people because I've been ostracized. And, you know, here's a guy who's, you know, in his 50s, right, who doesn't feel comfortable being himself or expressing himself and i had known him for quite a while and didn't know this about him and it was kind of humbling to have him share that with me and realize that you know while you know i i may have had my struggles there are other people who are experiencing different struggles and you know there are conversations that need to be had so that those people 
are empowered, right? And it was at that talk about intersectionality that, you know, we, we kind of talked about identity privilege. And I didn't realize how much identity privilege I experienced. And uh, it was it was really eye-opening that, you know, here I am as a minority, but I experience identity privilege. And there are things that I need to do to empower those who don't have the same identity privilege that I do. And so I want to thank you for, for just bringing awareness to me and, and, you know, inspiring me to kind of go out and learn more because it really is important. Thank you so much for saying that. I think one of the most powerful things that we can do as people, right? Not as managers, not as coworkers, not as, you know, in whatever role, but just as people is ask questions and give each other the space to share because it's, it's in those spaces where we learn and we grow and we really build connection. Right. And, you know, in, in the talks that I give, I always tell people, look, if you think no one in your inner circle is LGBTQ, there's a really good chance you're wrong about that. <laughs> and it's not that they're not there. It's that they're not comfortable talking to you about it. Right. And, um, you know, and the same goes for a lot of other identities too, right? Um, you know, I know a lot of white people who will say, well, you know, I'm friends with, you know, I have lots of black friends, which is always a sign that they don't, of course. But when you ask like who, you know, it's usually somebody at work that they kind of sort of know. And like, have you ever talked to them about their experience being black in the workplace? Well, no. I'm like, oh, you're not a very good friend, are you? <laughs> <laughs> when you want to know what that experience is like for your friend. So, no, thank you so much for, um, for opening yourself up to those conversations and for, for sharing so much of yourself with me. I'm just honored to know you, OJ. I really am. Thank you. The feeling is very mutual, Amy. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.